Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. Guess what? I have a new book coming out on March 3rd. It's called Fearless, Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. It's a collection of inspiring true stories and includes my next guest, Jennifer Stewart, president and founder of Syntax Strategic. She's a regular commentator on CTV, CBC, and 1310 Radio. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! And fearless listeners, we know you're listening from all around the world, including USA, Ireland, UK, Australia, and so many more countries. So thank you. Now, please show me some love. Go online and pre-order your copy of Fearless by Janice McDonald at Amazon or chapters.ca or wherever you, you know, pick up your favorite books. It's just in time for International Women's Day. All right, Jennifer, tell us first about Syntac Strategic. When did you start it? What are you up to? It's growing. and It's growing. Yeah. Um, I started the business when I was 25. And I guess you could say I've got kind of entrepreneurial blood. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. And I was doing well. I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was a director of communications. I was making great money, but I just wasn't satisfied. And I was taking on these kind of side projects and thinking, you know, there's more here. And I loved the billing process and, you know, looking at a profit and loss sheet for my freelance work at night. So I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I never had a master business plan. I very gracefully quit my job and my employer was my first client. And it kind of Which says spiraled. a lot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> about I always your think abilities you can do and, things with yeah. class. Yeah. And I always think if you're authentic and honest with people about why you're leaving, um, they get it. People are really understanding. Mm-hmm. So started my business at 25 and really just had this vision of kind of doing things on my own terms. I never had a grand business plan, which is, yeah. you know, I'm sure everyone would tell me that's not the way you should do it. <laughs> um, I never dreamed of, you know, having revenue over a million dollars of employing 10 people. But um, as soon as I got my feet wet and I know you get this, Janice, mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love business. I love being strategic. I love yeah. going to pitch that client. Yeah. You've got a big pitch today. I've got a huge pitch today after (laughs) this. I'm flying to Toronto. Super excited. Um, So it kind of started organically. It's grown organically. And now... And now I have a vision. So I've, I have 10 employees at Syntax. We work with clients in Canada, clients internationally. We do media relations, public relations, digital, which is huge these days. So big. And we really try, I keep coming back to the word authentic. We try to be authentic. And I want to be strategic, but I also want to be nimble. People right. don't just want to strap on. They want you to execute. They want you to drive things mm-hmm. forward and pivot when you need to pivot. And I think that's been our kind of value proposition that, you know, if you want me on a file, I'll be on your file. I will crunch it out. I will come meet with you. I can talk at the executive level and I can go train your digital team. And it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. So how has your leadership style evolved as you've grown? Not only, you know, in the business, but the size of the business and complexity. That's a great question. And it's something I often reflect on. And I've come to realize I'm only as good as my team. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but Mm -hmm. it is so true. We've got such a team 
of strong women that I want to empower. I am not a micromanager. Mm-hmm. So if you're on you my team, you can't. Right. <laughs> You've got too much going on. <laughs> I want to empower people. Right. And on the flip side, that means, you know, when you don't have the right team, making those hard decisions and having those hard conversations. Right. But right now we've got a team of stellar women. They are, you know, experts in their own field. They produce such great work that I honestly feel like I learned from them. Great. And it's my job to inspire them, to coach them, to give them some tips um, and to also bring in systems into the business so oh, yes. we don't get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can apply a system to a client and it works, but then you can also think outside of the box. And just really also, and I think this is critically important, your people outside of work. Mm-hmm. Work is a passion, but I've got mothers on the team. They've got hobbies. They've got partners. They've got interests. And making sure, particularly for an agency, that I don't burn people out. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's to do. critically important. There's so much work. There's so much work. <laughs> and I've always said, you treat each client like they're your only client. Mm. And if you have to bend over backwards, we do it. Mm-hmm. But we're, we've also gotten to the point where we work with the clients we want to work with that see our value, that treat our team well. Uh, we had a client which last year. Which is mutual. Which is right? mutual. Yeah. But we had a client last year, you know, we decided not to work with them again because there wasn't that mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can get away with a few instances where, you know, you're given 11 p.m. requests and you need them turned around for 4 a.m. But you you really want a client roster that respects your value, that respects your work ethic and that and you really aligned, deliver for. Right? Those and kind aligned. of aligned. Yeah, Absolutely. That totally makes sense. Robin Sharma, author, Canadian leadership guy, once said, beneath every excuse lies a fear. Practice being fearless. Tell me about a time when you were fearless. I think a time when I was fearless, I was 26 and I had a client ask me to come in house. They were a great client and I had this kind of, you know, road in front of me and I could go left or I could go right. I could go in house. I could have a great career or I could continue my journey as an entrepreneur. And I remember kind of weighing the two options and I had just started this journey and I had just gotten a little bit of proof of concept and sitting there with my husband, who's been an amazing support. And he looked at me and I had butterflies in my stomach and he said, Jen, you can go in house and you'd be great anywhere. You know, you could be the president of that company in 10 years. I've got no doubt. But if you don't continue down this path, you're going to regret it. And I just hired my first employee. So, you know, we've got a payroll, you've got all yeah. the unknowns. Um, and I, I declined the job offer. And I just remember it's not even being fearless. Fearless is, I love that word, but it's, it's seeing fear and walking right into it. And having that little feeling in your belly that it's a bit nerve wracking, but you're just going to do it and you're going to take that risk. And if it fails and you're going to pick yourself back up again and you're going to keep going. How do you handle criticism? I used to handle criticism poorly, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. In my 20s, I, don't think I had, anybody's good at it I thin <laughs> or skin. sinks it. But, yeah. um, and I think over the years, I've grown thick skin. Mm. You become a lot more comfortable with who you are as a person your choices. And I hold myself to really high standards ethically. You know, I want to be able to sleep at night. So sometimes I'm not making the best revenue generating decision, but I'm doing what's right for my team or what's right for my family or what's right for the long-term growth of the business. So, you know, I think always sticking to kind of those ethics is, is critically important and being okay at the end of the day with your decisions. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you are on CBC, you are on CTV, you're you know, a regular commentator. How did you, you know, because women are always looking for, how did she do that? You know, so how did you get ready for it? How did you pursue it? 
and what have you learned? No, that's a great question. So the opportunity came to me to go on CTV. And I remember, and, and he's a dear friend, Don Martin. And I remember sitting beside him on the first show and he looked over at me and said, let's see how this goes. And, you know, <laughs> it was a great opportunity because I thought, I'm going to prove everybody wrong here. And I nailed because the first. You, did, you, did you feel people weren't in your corner? It's not that I didn't feel people weren't in my corner. I felt like I had a lot to prove. Mm. Right, like self-imposed or self-imposed. I okay. think I constantly have a bit of self-imposed. You have right? the opportunity, yeah. and I think even from you know starting a business at twenty-five, being a female, I feel like I always have to prove people wrong or mm-hmm. prove my skills to people, and I, I've done that. But I want to be the best at what I do. So I remember he said that to me, and I just kind of thought, okay, Jen, let's let's do this, right? I had that internal dialogue, let's <laughs> yeah, you know, so let's go. It's yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. And now I view every television segment, you know, every media opportunity as a chance to show my expertise, mm-hmm. to show my strategic thinking, to show my depth on a specific issue, and I really look at it as an opportunity. And I really look up to, and I know she's a friend of yours, Arlene Dickinson. And I saw her in the green room in Toronto, and it was just one of those aha moments in your career. I was there to run a board meeting for a client, and I got a call in, so I went down to Queen Street, and I did I did a segment. And she looked at me, and she just said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, people look up to you, too. I told her she was a mentor of mine, and that was just a really kind of defining moment that, okay, you know, stay on this path, and... It's, you know, it's, it's doing great things and, you know, you're getting some really neat affirmations. I think it's so powerful to hear um, how you use your internal voice to push Absolutely. yourself up because sometimes people are, you know, listening to, yep. uh, you know, their harshest critic themselves, yeah. which seems uh, like the wrong path. I really try. I think I, I like myself. I'm not narcissistic, but... I think I can do it, and I'm lucky to have that internal voice that's positive. I mean, I can be nervous, but I think, you know, Jen, you've got to do this. I know you have to prepare. I did one presentation a few years ago, and we had our pitch, and we were good to go, but I didn't give it the due process Mm -hmm. that I needed to do. And I wasn't happy with my performance. The client was fine with it, but that's when I'm critical of myself. Like, Mm -hmm. Jen, you can do better. You know you can do better. Mm -hmm. And if I know that I'm prepared, if I know that I can speak to an issue, you know, I really do. It's such an internal psychological game. You try to build yourself up so that you can be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I think preparation is key. I, I completely it, it builds agree. builds your confidence and uh, no matter kind of what is thrown at yeah. you, you feel like, okay, well, I know I, I'm prepared. I, I did my <laughs> best. Right. I knew I knew my subject matter, you know, expertise. And I also think, you know, I think it's a myth that as you get older or more successful in business that you don't need to prepare. I think it's the exact opposite. I, 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 I don't think that's ever going to leave. I think, you know, I've got a bit of a hunger to continue my education, to continue learning. As you know, mm-hmm. I dabble in other businesses. Mm-hmm. My husband and I own another business. I love the, and genuinely I do, like the curiosity that comes with running a business, with meeting people, with diving into new sectors and trying to take something and grow it mm-hmm. and prove it to your clients and to the public and really get that satisfaction in return. Mm-hmm. I hear your excitement and passion. It's contagious. So do you have a favorite saying or a mantra that you use to pump yourself up when you're I, going it, into that new challenge? It really comes down to being authentic. And there's one that I always say to myself and say what you mean, mean what you say. And mm-hmm. those that matter don't mind. And those that mind don't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of um, 
I referenced it in another show that Morgan Freeman had said some of the best advice he had was don't take criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's kind I of similar, that. isn't it? Yeah. It's it's very similar. And I just, the little pep talks, like, you know, you got this. Right. Go in there and let's let's crush this. Like, I say that stuff to, to myself all the time. And I think, you know what, you're a bit odd here, Jen. Right? Like, what's going on? You're pumping yourself up. But it Why works. Not? It works. Yeah, and, it does and, work. You know what? And also not, and this comes, I think, with time. And it, I think it's a constant evolution of trying to get better at it. Those that don't see your value or don't take the time to understand where you're coming from, don't absorb yourself with their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And don't let that negativity kind of impede your ability to move forward. Mm -hmm. What's that other saying, something along the lines of what other people think of you is none of your business? Yeah. And (laughs) you know what's so funny too? I think, you know, in your 20s, you worry so much about what people think of you and you really realize no one's really thinking about you, right? (laughs) They got their own stuff going on. They got their own stuff. Everyone has their own challenge. And I think as a leader, being really aware of all my team members have their own life. They have their own interpersonal situations going Mm -hmm. on, whether it's their kids or their partner or or a challenge. And I really try and conscious to be aware of what they come into in terms of when they come into the workplace, what else are they carrying and being mindful of that. And that's been an evolution because I think in my 20s, I was very in early 30s, all business. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it was kind of black and white. You know, you compartmentalize, you leave your personal life at home, you come into work and I'm a driver. You drive things forward as much as I try to focus on on wellness and everything. I want the best product to the client. I want to be the most responsive agency. And I've really come to learn that if you're not taking care of your team, then you're not going to take care of your clients in the long run. And that, that's been that's been a lesson. Mm-hmm. The people side of it is mm-hmm. is everything. It is. Yeah. Uh, all the way around. So I know that's something you wish you knew earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's something else you wish you knew earlier? I wish I knew earlier not to sweat the small stuff. I think I spent a lot of time worrying about little things that I had no control over. And I think it's really smart to you know, proactively be concerned about things that you can influence, but those things that you can't change, don't waste your time because you only have so much energy. And I used to be so concerned about, you know, landing this client or was this proposal absolutely perfect and it was in and it was done and it was strong or what did this client think of this product? And it's critically important. They're happy, but at a certain point you need to let it go and you need to be, you know, happy in your own work and fulfilled And even in your personal life, you know, when my kids were young, you worry about the smallest thing. And I've learned to kind of let go of that. I'm a big picture thinker, and that's kind of like my happy space. I like to think strategy, where's this company going? How do we get there? You know, how do we kind of reinvent ourselves if we need to, to kind of appeal to clients in the digital space, which is critically important for our our agency, and to kind of let go of those little things that you've got very little influence over, and to worry about the big picture. So take me back to the 10-year-old you. What was that girl like? It was really funny because I had two personas. I was extremely shy um, from an outward perspective. If I was at school, I was the person that was very shy to raise my hand. I I wrote a a story for your book Mm -hmm. about how in grade two, I had this beautiful little ring that I got Mm -hmm. at a vending machine at a rink. And I coveted this ring. I wore it every day. It was an emerald. I thought it was so beautiful. And I lost it at school. Mm -hmm. And an announcement came on the radio to say, you know, lost and found. We found a green ring. Can the owner please come to the office? 
And I froze and I was petrified and I kind of thought, oh my goodness, like, I don't want to raise my hand and I don't want to, you know, get up and stand up and go get that (laughs) ring. So I didn't get the ring. I know. This is incredible. Which is astounding to me. And I, I come from, you know, my mother was a lawyer and had her own firm and went on to be a judge. I've got two really impressive sisters. And at home, I was the boisterous one. I was the, you know, comedic relief. I was the one that had a book of jokes. I had nicknames for everyone. Like, I was not shy in my own setting. But I really wasn't comfortable in my own skin, not not from a body image perspective, but just from a who am I perspective until I was probably mid-20s. And that calling really came with business. And, you know, when people say you're not your work, I don't think I'm my work, but I really do think my work is part of me. Like, I love driving business. I love that my husband and I are trying to rebuild our grain mill and carp. I love that, you know, I just made a new hire for our vice president and she's going to drive things forward. I get such great joy out of that that I really feel like there's been this evolution from this shy little girl trying to find her voice to a woman that has found her passion. Mm -hmm. And whose voice is heard on national TV and on (laughs) radio. Who would have thought, right? (laughs) Probably your mom. Yeah, my mom saw that in me and was pretty adamant that uh, I went to journalism school and that was my choice, but that my calling was telling stories and interacting with people. And she always, you know, believed in me and had me come out. She was organizing the judges conference in Ontario and I would come as a university student, help organize it and work with her colleagues and delegate sessions and kind of got to be, you know, put into action and see, see that side of the world. I I felt a calling. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, where where did you grow up and um, who was your best friend? Are you still connected to your best friend? I grew up in Renfrew, mm-hmm. uh, so the Ottawa Valley. And my best friend, you know, they were my siblings. I have two sisters. Nice. I have a brother. Uh, we had a good core group. But to be quite honest, I never quite felt like I fit in in Renfrew. It was a very small town back then. We didn't have the four-lane highway. Um, you know, we were... Very remote in It was very senses. remote. It was a town of 6,000. My dad was a business person, so... You know, he was quite present, but he traveled quite a bit. My mom was the local judge. So in high school, you'd walk down the halls and you'd see somebody and they'd make a comment to you that, you know, your mom just put me in juvenile juvenile delinquent court. So it just felt very uncomfortable in a small town. And I met my best friends when I went to university. And I met my husband when I was 19. And he's my best friend. So it was a great place to grow up. It was wonderful from an outdoors perspective. Our family was close-knit. But as soon as I hit the high school scene in the Ottawa Valley where you go out every Friday to Saturday and you go to the, you know, the bush parties, it just, it it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So I fast-tracked high school. I did two years in one and I got out. (laughs) And and I I don't regret it. And you did describe yourself as a driver. So we can see that even as a younger person. Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly. (laughs) You were at it. Mentors, champions, have you had them? So you talked about the influence of your parents, but outside of that. So my first agency job was at Enterprise Canada, and the CEO of that company is named Barbara Fox, and she is just incredible. So she took me under her wing, and she acts with such composure and calmness, even in the face of adversity, and I took so much away from working with her. I just recently wrote her, actually, and just said, you know, thank you for your mentorship, and thank you for being you know, such a guiding light in my career because I saw a woman in the heart of Toronto leading this growing agency who always took time for her team members and took time, I was 23, to sit down. She saw something in me to mentor me, but also, you know, be very 
She was very deliberate in her business decisions. She, she had one of the most kind of strategic minds that I've met. And, you know, she mentored me, you know, verbally, but just watching her in terms of how she conducted herself, I took so much away from that experience. And any other champions? My husband. Mm. You know, as females, we often say, you know, we need more males to support us. I would not be here without my husband. He is the one who encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone, to quit my job because he saw that I was unhappy, to take on my first employee. We just bought an office space while coming up almost two years ago. And he was the one who said, Jen, this isn't going anywhere. Invest in space right now, right? From a business perspective, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When I had my two children at 26 and 28, and I just started my business at 25, he took paternity leave. So while I could be at home, I was breastfeeding, I had a home office as well, he really stepped up. And I really feel that he always has my back. And we're that odd couple that can be in business together. I mean, it's not, it's not always pleasant, <laughs> but he supports me and he sees my vision and he really sees how passionate I am about it. And, you know, I really do think that, you know, a lot of... Women need that support, whether that's their husband or a best friend or somebody just kind of pushing them because you do get that little voice in your head sometimes. And as much as you want to be fearless and you want to project that braveness, you sometimes need somebody pushing you to say it's okay. And if you fail, you fail. Mm -hmm. And I would think not only the pushing, but knowing and it sounds like you have that soft place to land at the same time. I do. You know, we've we live in CARP and my office is in CARP. My children go to school two kilometers away. And while I fly to Toronto about weekly, we come home, we've got this little ecosystem where we don't necessarily need to commute. You know, we have a great peer group, wonderful friends, and that's where I really let go. And I think I need to be cognizant of not burning out and having that kind of safe space where you're you, whether you're Jen in a business suit or Jen in your, you know, sweatpants at the end of the day, whatever, um, that people get you. But I also think, you know, one of my biggest challenges was I struggled with a lot of guilt when I became a mom because I was very committed to being a wonderful mother and to being present. And I think that was self-imposed because mm. you you have this strange divide. And I think it's amplified by social media mm. about how do you be a working mom, let alone an entrepreneur <laughs> and a mother. Both full-time jobs. Both full-time <laughs> jobs and both equally merited whatever decision you make. But I really struggled with how do I find that balance? And I've come to realize for me, and it's different for everybody, I am such a better mother when I'm fulfilled. I love being a mom. If this all went away today, I'm completely satisfied. But I love working and coming home and having just done a segment on something that's breaking in the news cycle. And I come home and I get to sit on the the floor with my kids and I get to kind of play both of those characters, if you will. And that really satisfies me. But letting go of that feeling of, oh, you're not doing enough here or you're not doing enough at home has been pretty rewarding. Mm -hmm. And not easy to do. You have to give yourself permission. So digital technology, you know, you spend a lot of time, as you've mentioned, rethinking uh, your business in terms of how to help clients in that way. How are you approaching it when you think about uh, kids and screen time and, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you bring it back to that? Or even your own screen time? Because, of course, to your point, you're commenting on breaking yeah. news. Except, How do you balance it to make time for strategic thinking? And It's really hard to do. So I set time allowances on my phone last year for Instagram, for Twitter, mm-hmm. for my email. Mm-hmm. Because I was constantly on my phone. I'd come home and I'd be scrolling. 
And some of it's completely mindless, but you almost can't stop. And I kind of like looked at myself from an outside perspective and I said, Jen, like you're not responding to a crisis here. You're not emailing a client. You're checking what's breaking in the news cycle. So I do check my phone too much. I will be fully upfront with that. But I've put time constraints on my phone and I'm really cognizant of not being on my phone when my kids are up. So that kind of hour between 6 and 8.30 when I'm home and they go to bed, I put it down. I will check my phone because if my clients need something, Sometimes. I want to be responsive. Right. But it's it's being aware of that. And I've taken the phone out of the bedroom because I would I'd wake up and I'd check it in the middle of the night. It was a little it was a little crazy, to be honest. And I'd check it first thing in the morning before I did anything else. So I've set kind of self-imposed restrictions while making sure that I still feel like I'm being responsive to people. But it's also a balance because I love knowing what's going on. I absolutely love it. I love it's checking. Important for your it's work it's important for yeah. my work. So it's it's finding that balance where it's still healthy and you're setting an example of how to effectively use technology, which I think is going to be critical for our children mm-hmm. and also still being plugged in. Yeah. And what about when you think about advice for ambitious women when they're thinking about digital and brand and, you know, if they say, I want to be like Jennifer Stewart and and be a commentator, et cetera. How do they, what's the strategies that you would recommend people consider? I think be very cognizant what you put out there. Know what your brand is. You know, you see so many people put out images that don't reflect their personal brand. And I may sound old school, but Mm -hmm. that's going to live on the internet forever. And you are what you project. Perception is reality with clients, with peer groups, with mentors, So just be very aware and put less out if you're not sure of what that brand looks like and take the time to kind of look inward and figure out what that that brand is and what are your values and what drives you. And then make sure that what you put out into the Internet reflects that. And I think you can be authentic, but you can still be strategic in how you harness that personal brand. And that's something that I talk to you know, girls about all the time, like this is going to live forever. And I know at this stage in your life, you're not focused on your career or what that's going to look like, but you should be cognizant about it and be aware that, you know, this might have an impact and you need to be careful about who you want to be and what your values are. Mm -hmm. And it can change, not necessarily your values, but who you are is evolving and you may not be able to imagine that that current picture might be a problem later. No, yeah. it's true. And it's not to say necessarily think inside a box. You can be creative. You can be authentic. You can be you can be out there a bit, but just just be aware of how that's going to be perceived by others. Mm-hmm. And that's a balance because you don't want to be overly concerned about what others think about you because you don't want to kind of funnel that that thinking, but you also want to be aware of your, your brand mm-hmm. and what you say and what you do and how you conduct yourself. I really do believe if you look at branding it's not a facade. It's who you are. And I feel like you're on this continuous journey. I love to read. So I'm always trying to like... What are you reading right now? Devour. I'm reading Reinvention by Arlene Dickinson. Oh, yes. And it's yeah. it's about her agency after the floods in Calgary and how she, you know, was so busy with, you know, her venture capital endeavors and her personal brand that her agency was kind of floundering and how she looked at it and said, okay, we need to reinvent. This is my passion. This was my first business. And it's so... She's so honest and she puts things out there that you know may be perceived as you know wow I didn't think Arlene Dickinson's communications business was potentially going to go under she's got this brand that's huge Mm -hmm. but it it was going to and what was she going to do to bring it back on track and then I also love reading fiction Mm -hmm. so in terms of how do I unplug I I read I read and I do yoga and I hang out with my kids 
and I want to go do an online course this year. I what feel like take? I want to do history, mm. Second World War history. Okay. And, you know, I was in university from age because I fast tracked high school, 18 to 22. I didn't appreciate learning. And as I get older, I realize there's so much that you don't actually know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think you're a know-it-all in your 20s, right? You become more, I think, you feel like you know less as you grow. So I just really want to kind of dabble in subjects that interest me so and fun. make me a more interesting person to other people, I hope. Yeah. And bring that forward Absolutely. for your business and your clients. And that's so, so exciting. Any advice for ambitious women? We hear the term that you can you can have it all, but not at once. And I really don't believe that. I think it's a mindset. I think you can have it all, but you need to decide what that means to you. And you need people that support you. I think that this can be such a lonely journey being an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's glamorous from an outside perspective, but internally it can be so lonely. So figure out what what you want to have, define it, and have people support you in that journey. And from my perspective, you know, I may not be done in my journey yet. I may not be completely fulfilled, but I'm content where I am and I'm content on the, at the pace I'm going at. And it's a mindset. So it's not this stark black and white. You either have it or you don't have it. It's okay, I have what I have at this moment in time and I'm satisfied with it and I've got a plan to move forward. And also I think to pivot when things Mm -hmm. aren't working well, don't stay on a journey just because that's the original journey you set. You know, in business, you iterate when things aren't working and in your personal life, you, you have to do the same. So always be mindful, always be checking in. And, you know, there's no, this sounds cliche, but have a vision for yourself. Do a vision board. Where do you want to go and work towards that? Mm, Practical inspiring, helpful. Final question. This is the big one. What's your vision? What's your dream? What do you want for Canada? My vision is that more female leaders can find their voice, can be respected, can be appreciated. I just founded something called the 21st Century Workplace Initiative with Mark Sutcliffe and Catherine Clark, and it's about redefining what the workplace looks like. And that, you know, you can have your career, but you can have some personal life integration and kind of that our work culture, the nine to five, the, you know, you're sitting in your cubicle all day and that's what life looks like, I think needs to change. So I hope that we take a hard look at what, you know, your work life looks like, that careers can be passions and that we evolve so more women can kind of step up and feel like they can have it all. And I think that's super important. Beautiful. Love it. She's incredible. She's inspiring. You know it now because you heard her. You can see her on CTV, on CBC, listen to her on 1310 on the radio station. Jennifer Stewart, she is the president and founder of Syntax Strategic. She's phenomenal. She's my friend. And I've been so happy to have you today on the Fearless Women podcast. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Janice. It's been an honor. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, 30% Club Canada, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to the 30% Club Canada for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. The 30% Club believes that gender balance on boards and in senior management not only encourages better leadership and governance, 
but diversity further contributes to better all-around board performance and ultimately increased corporate performance for both companies and their shareholders. Want to learn more? Visit their website, 30percentclub.org, and select the Canada chapter to find out about membership, supporters, and key resources. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.